Welcome back. Welcome in. Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza. Glad to say that the at Fila did not get the best of my guest host, Chris Anderson. And he's actually here. How are you, Chris? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Good. No uh no brand loyalty or brand warfare I should be worried about here with you. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Not at all. Oh. We typically talk mostly about football. It's been that way since I feel like July with some basketball, um, certainly since the season started and, and maybe even before that with some of the concern or just maybe the excitement before they went to South Dakota. Now the football's out of the way. Basketball is, I, I have a lot of thoughts, but I'll just say exciting for various reasons here again. But I would say off the court as well as on the court, there's a lot of attention and focus because just a left and a right, losing Isaiah Cottrell and then Oscar Sheboy in the span of, what was it, not even 72 hours, is just a total 180 from from where you expect this team was going to go as recently as, you know, right before they played that Northeastern game. Now you're just skinning the cat a totally different way, but separate to that, um, well, Fran Fraschilla definitely went there on Twitter, didn't he? Yeah, he uh, was not afraid to just put it all out there on um on oscar and his situation and i i you know we're recording this what is i'm forgetting i'm forgetting what day and time it is because my kids are transitioning back to in person this week so they're home i am trying to run dual virtual learning classes and my wife is being deployed for extra help at the hospital so i am uh in a a, a a bit of a fog right now, but it is Wednesday. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. I just posted on the board. I find it hilarious that, you know, one, I last night I found it hilarious about Fran Priscilla just putting it out there, just blatantly like, yeah, he was obviously tampered with, or it's pretty blatant that he's tampered with. But also, you know, said from the beginning, uh, these the, the the people that are in Oscar's ear are not being subtle about what's going on, what they want, and where they want him to go, and it's going to be very obvious when he ends up wherever he ends up. And not long after, you know, myself and some others say that, and not long after Fran Fraschilla says what he says and made a couple comments on the air on on during the game on Monday night. All of a sudden, every national basketball recruiting analyst in the country is getting a phone call with just a tidbit about how Oscar's interested in a dozen schools. That's like, and and thankfully, our own Brian Snow was pretty upfront about it as well, saying he doesn't believe any of it and thinks it's basically down to one, maybe two schools, and that's it. Um, He thinks it's a song and dance. He knows it's a song and dance, I think. I know it's a song and dance, Um, but... Thus is basketball. Thus is the life of college basketball. All right, let's just stick with this. I wasn't sure what, what <laughs> yellow brick road we wanted to go down here, but we're going to get behind the curtain eventually. Uh, let's start with this guy um, who up until a week ago was, I mean, a favorite. And now he's almost persona non grata, which is a stunning twist for me. And this is someone that in the recruiting cycle, people would have sacrificed greatly for to have him. And they have him for a year, and it's great. And then, I mean... Subtly, but suddenly things change almost as soon as it seemed like he went into the NBA draft. There's the very unusual impromptu Huggins appearance <laughs> in a pandemic in a studio with their play-by-play guy. And the first question, he just manages to fit in the fact that someone is sabotaging his star 
freshman to be sophomore doesn't actually say it, but just saying you'd be amazed people who want to hurt the kid in the program. You get the very subtle but also pointed comments from the broadcast teams about how Shibwe enjoyed his celebrity and could have put more into his uh, basketball in the offseason. And then you just watch a kid play and didn't look right. And I have no idea what the distractions were. We've heard a bunch of different things. I've been told he had a he had a he did indeed have a personal matter. To what extent I don't know, but that that did distract or keep him away most of the summer. Um, I've been trying to just get that simple fact pinned down and the exact personal thing. I don't know, but when you see that they actually mention that he has a personal matter to attend to, I think that may be just a nod toward that. And then ever since then, I mean, this just seems like there's a lot of different rumors and all these different tentacles coming from the main story. But I've I've tried to debunk things as best as I can. And I've been told, as you've been told, that anything other than blank, and it's a pretty, in a nutshell, summation of things, is just not the truth. This is a very simple thing that happened. Um, and here we are. And I wrote in one of my three things on Sunday I absolutely believe the NCAA is watching this. I don't know what they can do, but I think they're just sitting there going, again? Are you kidding? Are you really doing this? Because this just seems like it's going to be one of those things that's just so obvious and so, I mean, almost in need of some sort of response. I'm not sure it'll happen, but it, it could be possibly a very brazen thing. That's That provides he does actually get out of the portal into a school. That's a whole other matter. But um, just, I mean, sudden but not sudden, and then simple but not simple at the end. Yeah. Um, again, it, it wasn't subtle. It, it seemed so obvious and so blatant what was going on and who was steering him where they were trying to steer them. And it seems with every time that it's like, man, this is so obvious. All of a sudden, these same people, same person, whatever you want to say here, uh, kind of circles back and tries to cover their tracks somehow with the, oh, there's actually a dozen schools and, you know, bring up the fact that, well, that's weird. He, you know, it's been a week, what, a week since uh, Oscar left the team, but he, why is he not in the portal? Uh, you know, most people, when they leave, it's, it's was it 48 hours, right, that they have to be in the portal and doesn't show up until 48 hours after we bring up the fact that he's not in the portal. Um, it's strange. I, am I supposed to believe that the NCAA is actually going to do something? They should. It's a little too obvious, or it was going to be a little too obvious, it still could be a little too obvious. They're trying to make it not obvious, but when has the NCAA actually ever done anything about this? And and that's when it's just you just shrug your shoulders and say, well, there you go. There are certain schools that they'll swing at, and there are certain schools that they either won't or can't. I think that's probably more than supposition. And it's quite possible that the school that he ends at ends up at is one that they do swing at. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just, it's happened before. Um, and this just seems like, and again, if, if somebody ends up on the staff, uh, I know those rules aren't what they used to be, but I mean, sooner or later, it's very, very clear. And again, for using the word tampering, um, and I understand he, uh, full, full disclosure, I typically mute the TV when he's on for, for games because, <laughs> uh, it's hard sometimes. I, I don't have the TV volume on a lot. I've kind of learned that during the pandemic and covering games from home, but, um, I'd rather watch a game, but, He's a former coach, and former coaches trust and confide in one another. And he's also, you know, he does a lot of camp stuff, too. So he has plenty of involvement um, around the people who get involved in situations like this. And he's someone that has a voice. People are going to tell him things. And so that's probably an informed take by him. And he said he he was relatively sure um, 
again, that's a heck of a thing to throw out there, but I don't think it's terribly surprising here. Um, let's go over some of the homework we've done here. There have been a couple of rumors, and I'm not going to mention it, but or people by name, but just different things that have come to you and to me and to other people. And I've, I've, I mean, I've been on the phone with the people or had email conversations with the people who are identified and implicated in this stuff, and they say, no, that's not true. No, that didn't happen. Does that mean they're being honest with me? No. I think you get a call or you get an email from a reporter in a situation like this, and they, you know your name is out there. You're probably going to tighten up a little bit. But I've also been kind of told from other people that, no, that's probably true. He's probably right. And as we cross every one of these things off, that's kind of what I was getting to. This just seems like it, it fits into a nutshell. Um, you've had a little bit easier access to information on this, too. Um, and you probably haven't had to do as much drilling. I'm kind of the guy who goes in and cleans up the messes around the problem. But you're in the middle of this, so to speak, too. I, I don't. This doesn't seem like a thing that happened where a guy got 12 and 15 one day and walked in and said, eh, I'm out of here. It just seemed like that happened to be his last day on the job. Yeah, I, it's what can I say? I'm trying to, yeah, mm, that's a good point. Uh, I, I'm trying to say here, uh, but it is it, it's something that's again I don't I don't know it, it do you want to say it's been in the works? It's been in his head, I guess is a good way of saying it. It the, the thoughts of I should I should be better I should be more of the center of attention, and it's being put there not put there. Maybe he thinks it by himself, but it's been. You know, uh, it, it it it's been influenced. It's been helped to grow, flourished because of others around him that have, have told him basically, you should be. You're the best player in the country. You should be an NBA lottery pick this year. You should have left last year. And the only reason it's not is all because of Bob Huggins and WVU. And to a normal person, that's crazy talk. But when you're an influential kid, a young man. You start listening to that, and then other people who have reasons to not want you at West Virginia anyway, they just see the opportunity and go that way. And and again, like you said, all sorts of rumors, crazy, crazy stuff. We've had this lock and shut so many threads on the message board with just outrageous claims. And the inbox and the direct messages and the text messages of just, hey, check this out. Did you hear about this? And, and just... Uh, is some of it I mean, every single one when you're in this situation you can't completely ignore what you're being told you have you know you should go looking to see and check it out and we have and a lot of it it's just circles back to no stop stop trying to make more of this than what it is it is what it is you know it's exactly what you think it is this oscar thought something had people telling him things and some certain people with some non fila affiliation uh have some ideas of where he should go and that's it <laughs> and that's kind of where we're at and i i'm again we'll see what the next step is we'll see how obvious it is we'll see what anybody does but i also think it's important to note and you've told how many times have you told me this don't pay attention to the answers to the questions you ask but the answers that are given that are just offered up mm -hmm. information that is offered up like you said, Bob Huggins just going on. I, I mean, let's be clear, everybody that's listening. When Bob Huggins goes on the radio show with Tony Caridi, and he does these radio, the, the, the weekly radio things, there are times, it's not all the time, but there are times where he is going to tell Tony beforehand, I want to discuss this or not discuss that. It, when he kicks off with, there are people trying to, 
infiltrate my program and hurt like did you say that on purpose kickoff <laughs> like it, that's just how it is like that's what it is and then the the press release somebody's like man that that doesn't sound right when huggins said you know absolutely not no chance for a return or you know never and i was like wow this is a different tone than that press release and again i know that press release has a quote and then it says huggins said after the quote i highly doubt huggins said that quote not that he you know or maybe he said that quote but he doesn't you know it's just here's a formality like read into it it's a one sentence press release that just says yeah we wish him the best see ya i have a feeling that he made a phone call well here's what happened um here's the thing that happened i talked to him early on new year's morning um because i spent once again new year's eve chasing down <laughs> a story of someone leaving and by the way we amply freaked people out at the end of our rapid reaction bull game podcast sorry about that but uh, that was actually happening in real time. We both got that information right as we were recording and wrapping up. So spent my New Year's Eve part of it until it got to be too late um, trying to figure out some things. And I was on the phone with people who are, are you know, are in the conversations. And they're like, eh, know, this doesn't seem good. But I had a thought that maybe closer to midnight I should call some people because maybe they'd be a little bit lubed up and the information would come out a little bit easier. But I did not because I have ethics. So I waited until the morning and I got hugs on the phone and – started talking to him and he said, how about I call you back? And I went, okay. And I went downstairs and I started writing the story that they were going to part ways, whatever language I had a whole bunch of X's, but to the effect of he was no longer part of the team. And I told you like, this is what's going to happen. They're going to put yeah. a press release out and then we'll talk. Huggins will call me back, which is exactly what happened. Um, one, cause Huggins does not work for me. I know the score. I know the deal. That's fine. And two, he always calls me back. He just does. Um, not to brag, but he's just good like that. And he did. He called me back and said, sorry, I was busy. Um, you know, obviously a lot going on, but I owe you a phone call. Let's talk. And we talked. And even then on the record, off the record, he wasn't going to bury the, the kid and he wasn't going to name names or anything. I mean, he'll, he'll fight this his own way and he'll win some battles. I'm sure. Um, and I don't think he cares about the noise. He suffers no fools on that stuff. But I would also say that in the press release, he called someone and said, hey, just say that he's um, he's leaving for personal reasons and put it out there. And maybe he had a look at it beforehand. He, he's he been with his SID here forever. He, I'm sure he trusts him to do whatever he has to do. And I'm sure that the SID speaks Huggins' language and can write something without talking to Huggins or quoting him and do it. So it goes out like that. And then you're left with Huggins on a Zoom a little bit later to fill in the blanks and... Or even leave blanks because you gave him a chance to fill in some blanks and he wasn't <laughs> going to do it. No, he just he just wasn't because I think he's above that stuff. And um, I, I think this is one reason that he doesn't really go after high-profile recruits too much. And I think it's one reason that he doesn't want to get into the transfer portal because you you have these risks about trying to make people happy right away. And he's more of a, a long con, big picture, slow burn kind of a coach where it's going to take time to get to his way of doing it. And he spent a lot of time recruiting one person and he leaves and he's supposed to be a linchpin. You find yourself in a situation like this, but it's kind of hard to blame him for when a situation like this blows up because this seemed like as good of a fit as you could find not long ago. I mean, they got him from Kentucky, Illinois, and trying to think of the third Kansas school. Kansas was the there. other team that was in the final yeah. out of funny, high school. A funny affiliation there too. <laughs> so, and I don't know where he'll end up, but like that's where they're picking him from. And he ended up here because he just seen the fit. There was obviously a, a, some sort of a path, ironically, with Kanate and Kennedy Catholic. And it just it worked and it seemed like it made sense. And he was playing well and there was a chance for him to grow. And it, and it just didn't. And now you're like, oh, I kind of like this Culver guy. I kind of like this McBride guy. And they're not five-star players. They weren't the envy of other schools. And I think you're happy with who you have right now. Um, 
But boy, I don't think this is over yet because he's going to land up somewhere, end up somewhere. Which leads me to this: Do you think he ends up in a school for perhaps just one semester? Because if the if the idea is to get him into professional basketball, you would leave now to get into professional basketball. Otherwise, you just wait until after the season and go. I, I wonder if he ends up on a roster for the rest of this year, for next year? I mean, we're talking like he's going to wait another year and a half to go pro. I, I I could also see him in some community college just taking classes to satisfy his visa requirement. And then as soon as the window opens up for him to play professionally, wherever, if he can, he jumps through that. Because this is going to be hard for some schools, I think, to reconcile. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Well, and that was so right as soon as we found this news out, I was talking to a capital S someone and they said, you know, I was like, so is is the next move to transfer or do they truly are they going to start prepping him for the NBA draft? Like, is this like, are they just going to work out and they're just going to train him and they're doing training and getting ready for the draft? And the person stopped and said, are you serious? They said, do you do you know how big of a giant? enormous red flag it is that a guy that's starting and playing 20 some minutes for a top 10 team just and just had a double double his maybe his best game of the year just up and left the program like there are nba gms around uh, like around the league that are just gonna be like yeah right no thanks and so there's almost like this need for him to rehabilitate his image when which is crazy when you think about some of the guys that have you know have have been looked at by NBA teams and the issues they've had because the Oscars for all all I know is a good kid like you know he's never done anything wrong yeah. like he's never done anything bad never got any legal trouble school trouble none of that stuff but now it's like wait wait wait, wait. why is this guy leaving a top ten team when he just had a double double he's starting he's playing twenty some minutes a game what is going on and. NBA teams are going to want to know why that scouts are going to want to know why that that is a giant red flag. So I think again, that's why it's man, the people that might be in his ear didn't think this through, didn't have his best interest at heart because you're right. Like his best move, if he was truly unhappy, I mean, you hate to tell people to just stick it out when they're unhappy, but his best move as far as the next step or the, the, the fastest possible way to the next step was to stick it out through the rest of this season and then transfer or then go to the NBA draft or or play overseas or whatever the plan is. But leaving midseason, going somewhere and sitting out because he's not playing anywhere in the spring. He can't play for another team um, right away, you know, like two weeks from now. But it, it, it almost feels like this is going to be another year in college for him because of this move. Let's stop there. Can he play? 
I so is somebody else is I, I stopped me when I was like, well, what's he gonna do? Just go sit somewhere? Because you're right. One, you know, he can't just not do anything because of his I twenty visa, which we've talked about on the board and stuff. Is he he has to be in school, or he has to go back to the Congo, or he has to file an appeal for a different type of visa, mm-hmm. which there's no guarantee that he'll get that type of visa before his uh, timeline on the I twenty is up. So. Oh yeah, he yeah. has to be. Yeah, it's it's not a quick process. The, the government does not work quickly, um, so he has to find a school. So I think that that's number one. And then play this year. I don't think you can. I mean, I know there are guys like recruits, high school recruits, junior college recruits that will enroll and play half a season. But I get that we're all getting free free transfers. But for him to play, you know, say for West Virginia, and then two weeks later go play for say, a bottom feeder ACC program. Um, I just don't see it happening. But I don't know. A- anything's possible in the NCAA these days. I've just been told it's a blind spot that, that like, maybe, maybe not. And I, I haven't really pursued it that much. But it does seem like maybe you can make an argument for it. I, I don't believe they're going to get a court over it to try to get him eligible to play somewhere in the second semester. But, again, the calculation here doesn't make sense. Like, are you transferring out so you could be a mid-year guy next year? Or maybe you don't have to, but that means you're not – you're not you're not playing the second semester here. You're eligible for the fall. You could play beginning next season. But like, if you didn't want to stick it out here because you have pro aspirations, and are you going somewhere else? What a strange situation. Um, let's let's kind of like close the book on him here. They they're one on one without him. They're playing very differently. And I think that there's some people who say you know better off without him. And and to some extent that may be true because what what someone some people in fact have told me and, and I remember the words specifically were like just fed up. That there was just a drama that this team didn't need anymore. They gotten past that two seasons ago and, and played okay toward the end of the season. They were pretty motivated, pretty inspired last year. And their drama was the fact they couldn't win a road game last year, which that's basketball drama. That's not personnel drama. That's not locker room drama. Here it comes again, and that just fed up. Enough was enough. And you know, hey, everybody liked him. He's a good teammate, but and maybe he wasn't bad to them, and maybe he wasn't playing as hard as he could be. But he was still coming to practice and still giving them enough on the court where. You're looking at a guy who was like eight and seven and shooting plus fifty percent. That's not your fourteenth guy that walked away, and you had a certain style based on rebounding and defense and playing big. That, for better or for worse, you were good at that at times, and you won games because of that more often than you lost games because of that. I have a hard time saying they're better without him. Are they better off without him? I think that can be a separate conversation. But you couple it with losing the freshman who's six yeah. eleven, Cottrell. That that stings too because he would have been probably a pretty significant player and might have grown before our eyes on the court. And that's different than seeing someone, for example, like Kedrian Johnson or Jalen Bridges, because those guys are going to soak up minutes, but they're not back to the basket guys. They're not stretch fours who can go down in the post. So it's almost a detriment in that in the middle of the season at a very thick, tough, difficult part of the schedule, you're kind of reinventing the wheel a little bit too. So, I almost say they're maybe not even better off without him, but I also have an extension at that point I want to make. But how do you think this full unfolds? Are they better off without him? Are they better without him? Uh, the, the combination of him and Cottrell going in the same week is just Ugh. that that's killer. Cause the, a, a lot of people, I mean, fans have been complaining about it since last year. I have, I've gone on record as saying, I think the best, best lineup, even when Oscar was here, was not with Oscar on the court. Um, it was with, say, three guards, maybe Gabe, and then Culver, or four four, four guys in Culver. I, I prefer the four-out, one-in look. 
I don't think the three and two works. The high-low struggled because it, it works if you have the guys that can do it. If the guys can do the high-low, can do the passing, um, the Oscar-Derek Culver was, combo was not it. And so my my push would, was for 25 minutes apiece for Oscar and Derek with just a handful of minutes of the two of them on the court at the same time. Uh, but And that's now available. Now you can go four out and one in. And we even saw them kind of go five out with Gabe out there uh, as the center. And it can work. And they have the bodies that they can rotate and throw around, find out who's hot. But when you lose Cottrell, too, you you end up with issues. It's Culver's going to have to be superhuman is the thing. He's going to have to be superhuman. And we saw him play amazingly well against Oklahoma State. And we saw him against Oklahoma where he came out and I, I tweeted about it. I said, oh, he's engaged because he was, I think he had three points or, or two points, three rebounds, an assist, a block, and a steal all within the first two or three minutes. And then he was absolutely gassed. Yeah. And he finished that game. You know, I just read it. Was it two points, three rebounds, one assist, a steal, a block? He finished that game with two points, six rebounds, assist, a steal, and a block. So he did like everything in the first two minutes and then was done for the rest of the day. So they're going to have to figure out a way to get him a breather, get some guys out there and make it work with Gabe as the five or, I mean, something you got to, you got to get, got to get creative because you just went from having a plethora of big men to kind of only having one true big man. Yes. Here's, here's what I admire about Huggins. Sheboy trans. Uh, leaves for personal reasons he's in the transfer portal so she departs let's say the first game out culver doesn't have it and i i said this on our game thread that oklahoma just pisses him off and it's been manic for three years now and they i don't think they like each other um i don't think bad, let me turn that off i just don't think they like each other and they'd much rather throw elbows at one another than hang out off the court and he succumbed to it and he got untucked so much so that he wasn't even involved in the play that he got the technical on and just didn't play well. And after the game, Huggins kind of says, hey, it's, it's, a, it's a new ball game for him. He's going to get double teamed a lot. But guess what? That's not new. And he hasn't gotten better at dealing with it. He has to get better at dealing with it. You know, maybe the teammates have to get him the ball. But, geez, this isn't new to him. It shouldn't be some foreign concept. He has to get better. And you're thinking... My guy, you just lost your 6'9", 260-pound double-double guy. Are you saying something like that to your 6'10", 255-pound double-double guy? But here's the difference. Culver can take that stuff, and you can sit him down and talk to him in a hotel room and say, enough's enough, grow up, become an All-American, and think about going pro after the season. If you put yourself in that position, we need you right now. Shirk off these double teams, quit pouting, and go out and throw 19-21 and on Oklahoma State. And he did. And I'm not sure Sheway can do that because I'm sure they had similar conversations and that the best they got out of him was 12 and 15 against Northeastern. And then he decided that's enough. I'm going home. Maybe you are better off without a guy like that. But I think Huggins immediately found a way to get Culver engaged. Will it continue? I don't know. We'll see. But I think that he's in a good spot right now. And his teammates seem like they're like, wait a minute. I like the way that guy looked. We can go with that guy. And he said some, Culver said some pretty good things after the game about, listen, we have a team that I want to go to war with now, and I'll fight to the finish with these guys. If we're down 18, if we're down 20, I'll do it. That language, I think, is is sometimes just a guy talking into a microphone, but I think there's probably something to that that they believe in now that maybe they didn't before. And again, if a kid was a distraction, if he wasn't all the way in with everybody else is, sometimes you can work without that. Here's my, my opinion on this take alert, Chris. Are you ready? Go. 
I think their ceiling is higher playing this way than playing what they were 10 days ago. I agree. Like, I just think that they can get hot and make 12 threes, 13 threes in a game. They can score 55 points and a half. I don't think their defense and rebounding is going to be deficient forever. They still rebound pretty well. Oklahoma's a tough matchup for them. They're big guys. They're long guys that can rebound. But they dominated Oklahoma State, as they should have on the boards. I don't believe they're going to be a bad defensive team for a long time now. I think that there's a way to become a better defensive team because they struggled on the perimeter and with ball screens because they were playing with two bigs, and one of them was almost always engaged. Culver's a better away-from-the-basket defender and a better at-the-basket defender than Shibwe was or is. And if you spell him with Osaboyan, I think he's crappy enough that he could play a back-to-the-basket five, of which there aren't many, so that's like that's that big of a drawback. Defensively, rebounding, those are hallmarks of the team. I just happen to think the Huggins is going to be okay with that. And I just I still think this, and I've thought this for a while, they were not good enough playing you know, with those two guys in there together, they don't have to worry about that anymore. And the patches where they play Culver and Nosaboyan are, are kind of shaky, but they're not going to be prolonged because if you lose one of them, you're really in trouble. So you got to have trying to keep one off the floor as much as you can, I think, just to have the other one there. And I, I just like their firepower on offense. I like the fact that, you know, McBride might be able to play off the ball now if Johnson or McCabe can't give him something at the one. I think that Sherman's been pretty consistent even when he's had a bad game or two he's fired back and you know he's going to play the right way he's not going to shoot himself into a funk um i like the fact that bridges can come in and play you know make five threes and compete i don't think mcneil's going to be you know this this like scarecrow out there forever who doesn't move around doesn't make shots i think he'll probably get himself together and not only that but if they find their way into the paint mcneil's a pretty good standstill shooter i'm not sure about how good he is on the move or creating his own shot but if you put him in a corner and Keydrian Johnson gets in the middle, or you have Culver kick it out to a corner when he's getting double teamed, he might get better too. I just I saw enough between the first and second games, and even in the first and second games, to think that there's a lot of potential here. And I, I just feel like they're more likely to run into a first weekend upset um, or a first game upset in the Big 12 tournament if they're playing this big offense that can't shoot and defend, and they lose a game 62 to 55. Whereas this team, I think. They can play fast and free and get you about 70-something possessions. They might they might get hot and make 12, 13, 14 threes. They might score 55 points and a half, but you're doing that in this offensive age of basketball where everybody's open and fast and everybody isn't big. I think you have a chance to go further and to land higher playing this way, and especially now they get some runway and they can do this for some amount of time. It's not like they're turning it on before the tournament. They're turning it on two months before the tournament. I, I kind of like their chances here more than I did the other way. They just need to figure out what the rotation is going to be and, and what they truly want to do. And you kind of touched this, on this with a story the other day. And we saw it in that first game against Oklahoma where in the first half, they kept it, it, it was kind of tight. I think it was a one-point game. And then they went with this strange two-point guard look of McCabe and McBride. And they completely fell apart. They Next thing you know, they were down 15. In the second half, they started they started to make a little bit of a comeback and then they went to that lineup again and i wrote, i wrote down on my little piece of paper that i had there said, here you go right at this mark they just went back to that two point guard lineup that killed them in the first half and this time it worked and it's like okay so maybe it's not the lineup that's strange and then in this game you kind of see it again and, and huggins discussed it afterwards that not only was uh, Kedrian johnson a spark just with his 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 energy but it allowed McBride to get off ball and become just a scorer. 
and they went with a, that again the two point guard look just with a different second point guard and it worked really well so is that the new thing is McBride now your your off ball guard is he your two and maybe you're swinging McNeil and, and Matthew or McNeil and Sherman at the three Matthews at the four whatever you're trying to do to keep it wide I, I think it's gonna take a couple more games to truly hammer down what you're doing because you're you're, you're making all these personnel decisions and completely changing your offense on the fly that I, I hate to burst everyone's bubble right after that amazing comeback win over Oklahoma state, but Texas and Baylor, th- those are not two teams. You really want to be trying to figure things out against. Well, yeah, but I'll say this too. If you're Shaka smart, if you're Scott drew, you've had varying levels of success against them the past couple of years, you've won some, you've lost some, but you're familiar with them. And you can go to your your scouting report and you can pull up film about what you've done against them, how you prepped your guys and say, here, this is West Virginia. Well, not weak, but here's the West Virginia two day prep, three day prep. You got a lot of work to do now yeah. because you're guarding four out, five out. If you're guarding five out, those Buenas, the five throwing bounce passes to a cutting Taz Sherman. Who's got Sean McNeil in the corner. What the heck? You haven't seen that before. All their, all their inbound stuff is, is kind of different now too. Um, which is kind of a, an underrated thing. And then, you know, their shot clock stuff is still kind of the same because they go to McBride, but how they're getting in there was interesting. Like, they they move Culver around to set ball screens more than I can remember um, on Monday. They have to now because they're going to have to create creases and try to get guys open, but you're just adding different things, and I don't know if you can do the same stuff to them that you would have done before. So that's going to be hard in the intermediate part where I think they have a chance against one or both of them. I mean, there would be stranger things in West Virginia beating Texas at home. Baylor's tough. Baylor's just otherworldly on defense. Have you seen Baylor play? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're good. That'll be tough, but that'll be a good test for them. And then, then you just sit back and you say, all right, we got we got X amount of games to get this going. I just I just think they're going to be all right. And I like their ceiling higher here, too. It just it just seems to make some sense to me, too. Um, I got what, a question for you. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. What about the other side of the ball? Worried. Worried. Well, do you do you go back to press Virginia? All right. With this many wings and guards? I have a theory, though, here, and I've, I just it's caught me by surprise as I watched it. But, um, like, I don't think you can because I don't think you're deep enough. And if you get a couple of those guys in foul trouble, you're in trouble. And I haven't seen enough from McNeil or Bridges to press without fouling and getting themselves in trouble. I might not know that it exists, but I haven't seen it, and I'd hate to learn that on the court in the first half against Texas where you end up losing by 25 because you were shorthanded. So I don't know that yet. I do think that they can extend their defense and make teams take some time off the clock and then they're guarding in the half court less, which means let's guard, you know, 55 feet out. We're not going to press. We'll trap what they throw on the sideline, but we're going to make them dribble past, I don't know, 12 seconds, 13 seconds off the clock. Then you you have half a shot clock to work with and you're in a better spot. I don't think they're going to play a lot of matchup in 2-3 unless they just keep getting shredded because that, that doesn't look very good. No. But he's using all 40 minutes, and I, he, I felt like he kept Osaboyan on the bench, and he – kept Kedrian Johnson on the floor for like the final 14 minutes of the game because he wanted to press. And then they didn't go full-blown press Virginia, but they jumped into that press, and it totally rattled Oklahoma State. And it just feels like you're bringing the the guy who throws submarine in from the bullpen just to get a couple of outs, or you're bringing your closer in just to get out of the game. And listen, they used to dare team to survive 40 minutes against them in their pressure. I think now they're just going to try to figure out, listen, how can we win this game using all 40 minutes? If we're going to press you know, with six minutes left, or if we're going to press – the final two minutes of the first half or three minutes of the first half, we got more time to make this work, but let's make sure we get to that spot. Um, and again, that's why maybe Osaboyan was in there late. That's why they didn't panic and put McBride back in when they were getting their doors blown off the end of the first half because they knew they had another 20 minutes and they had some ways to stay or get back into the game. Um, 
that's just one or maybe two games that I've seen, but I, I think that they can do a bunch of different things to a team during a game. I think you'll see them press at times. You might see some zone or some matchup, but you'll see them extend a little bit too. We haven't seen any one three one this year, which is kind of hard to teach, I think. So maybe you won't say, but he knows how to teach it. And maybe the the success or the lack thereof of the two three or that three two matchup, maybe they start thinking about something different. Um, I just don't think you could do a whole lot in those first two games because that's such a quick turnaround with such a short runway before them too. Uh, it just got me thinking with, with the, how excited he was about Keity Johnson, you know, getting up on the ball. You got him and you got McBride. I, again, I, I think Taz Sherman and uh, Sean McNeil are better defenders yeah. at times than people give credit for. Uh, Gabe can do it. Culver can do it. I, I'm with you. I think if if you're going to do that, I guess you have to. Taj Thweet has to be in the mix. Uh, Senny Njai might have to be in the mix, too. And are you comfortable enough going that way? Because other, otherwise, what, you're down to nine guys? Yeah, Cole, uh, Oscar and Cottrell out, so you're down to 11. So Thweet and Njai make 11. So. You have to. Yeah, I mean, and they played they played Njai against Oklahoma just to get to the halftime, but right. they needed something there. And um, I don't know. We'll see. Too early for both of them. I think that Njai could play if he has to. Thweet, I'm just not sure that they know what they have to do with him yet and – I don't know. He's he's not cracking anybody's playing time above him, but um, I don't know. To me, to me, it feels like it's exciting because I don't think their brand of basketball, in general, excited people for a while. It just it was very vanilla, I think, and it wasn't what you saw. And and it's not that being different is wrong because we talked about this before. Your five best has to be on the floor, and Culver and Chibwee are part of your five best. Make it work. Figure it out. It wasn't very good at times, and it could be a detriment. Well, this is a new start, and you've seen. You know, they play faster and they score more points and they're erasing deficits because they they have the firepower to do it. Let's let's not get behind 18, 20 points and make it easier, I think would be a good lesson here. But I think it just kind of invigorates a little bit and makes you say, all right, this is kind of progressive. It's more like 2021. It's more like modern college basketball. And by the way, I kind of like these guys that I haven't seen a whole lot of. So, hey, shoot some threes, make some extra passes, you know, fall down, but get back in the game or maybe get hot and get a lead. And who knows what happens here, too. And, and the funny thing is, like, I, I, I have a feeling they're going to be playing home games with fans in the not-too-distant future. I'm not sure against Texas because I haven't heard it yet, and that game's on Saturday, and here we are talking Wednesday afternoon. But, man, you get fans in. I think they're going to like that style of play, and all of a sudden a team that hasn't had that that support at their back in their sales will have that, too. And there's not a lot of easy games or, or easy matchups for them, but I just kind of have faith that this has been a – it's not what they wanted, but it's not necessarily a bad thing either. Homer Mike is the best Mike. I'll say that. <laughs> I just I just like it because, again, like, what have we complained about? Like, they played something very different when they were pressed Virginia, and you didn't see it, and it was fun, and it was their thing. And then they played this, again, their own thing, and it was different, but it wasn't dynamic, and they couldn't do a lot of the things that other teams were able to do easily against them. Like, they could get outscored some games. Like, lesser teams could beat them because they shot the ball better or scored the ball easier, and they could never generate that because they were playing a very different way. You just remove one piece and they can do it. And even during this season and parts of last season, they are better with just one of those two on the floor. They don't have an alternative now. They can only play one of them at a time right now. And you're going to put one more offensive player, one more guy who can make shots out there. That's the game. Football and college basketball, the points per game is really the most important stat. And they have a better a better avenue toward that now. Yeah, it's – I again, it was bad. It, it's, it's always bad when you lose – 
the former All-American starting forward. You can find some bright spots. When you combine it, when you lose your other former four-star forward right behind him, you're really going to have to try to get creative with it. And I think so far, Huggins has. There's still hope for this team to not just be an NCAA tournament team, but to to be kind of, you know, a five seed somewhere in that range. I think they can still be top 25 type team. I think their ceiling, their ceiling and their floor, their, their, their floor is lower and their ceiling is higher. This is going to be a much more sporadic team. We've seen it in single games already so far. So I think it's going to be an exciting next couple months. I like it. Again, not the, not the way you wanted to get there, but you're there and, they, they have the chance to do this. Two years ago, when they lost players, they were toast. There was no chance they were going to punch out of their weight class and win some games. And, you know, okay, they beat Texas Tech. I get that. But, come on, we're talking about a CBI team that got boat raced by Coastal Carolina, right? I don't think yeah. anybody expects that this year. They're much better equipped to handle something like this midstream and make it work. And then, listen, see how good you are. The, the whole thing, figure it out. They got the place to figure it out. I think it's a good, a good thing that they can... They can weather those two games and get a win on the road because, man, if they lose that game in the fashion that game was going Monday, you're you're really looking at a one and five team. I don't know what happens at that point. Yeah, it's tough. Am I too optimistic? Yeah, (laughs) you might be a little too optimistic, but that's okay. Again, Homer Mike's the best Mike. Neil Brown is sitting around somewhere pulling his hair out right now. (laughs) Yeah. Now you made a you made a complete one eighty on that one. I remember the early days. There's no year zero. Not so sure about this. Next thing you know, you're hosting the Neil, Bre- Neil Brown fan club, breakfasts and brunch and everything else. It reminds me, I got a text and we need English muffins for a <laughs> Friday morning. Good point. All right, well, that's wrapping it up here. Uh, until next time, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you later.